don't know if it'll make any change, but I figure it's time for me to start playing ball. <gasps> this year's your big year. First of all, I've, I listened a little bit to this, the old Cedar Skier podcast on my way home from uh, the Tour de Ski, and I thought that I thought it was great. Kick like Lobo. From the soles of your feet, with every ounce of blood you've got in your body, lay it on the line until the final whistle blows. And if you do that... Yeah, I seem to be the queen of fourth places now, which is maybe not what you want to be, but it could be worse, I guess. If you do that... We cannot lose. I've been staring at the edge of the water Long as I can remember what does it mean reflecting on the trials you've had to like be a national champion? So insane. Um, Tofty is a tough guy town. I mean, it's like a dream I've had since, I mean, I, as long as I can remember Nordic skiing. And I tried, you know, and uh, I went as hard as I could and I got to the top of the hill, I looked back and it was just me and, and the king. Kick like Lobo. I decided I just needed to believe today and see what was possible and take a chance on myself and I'm really glad I did. Um, I think these longer races are quite good for me so it was a great day. I have often dreamed of a far off place where a hero's welcome would be waiting for me. I don't know, I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep messing around, you know, like how many times I tried four times now to get in the final? I mean, eight times, you know. And Boys keep saying, this is where I'm meant to be. I'll be there someday. I can go the distance. I've been making errors doing other things, you know. I tried to ski smart and I don't make it. And I, you know, try and wait till the end, I don't make it. Try and go early, I don't make it. So, you know, you got to try everything and see what works. Yeah. I wouldn't say that race was determined by a fall or anything. I think right. I skied that. I approached that race and skied it exactly how I planned to execute it. moment I like knew most was like after I finished that 30k at world championships and um I just didn't feel done now if you know what you're worth now go out and get what you're worth but you got to be willing to take the hits and not pointing fingers saying you ain't where you want to be because of him or her or anybody cowards do that and that ain't you you're better than that congratulations what are you looking for uh, for tomorrow the top <laughs> Hunter Wonders, 11th uh, Tour to Ski Stage 3. Dude, you uncorked one today. We may be behind on the scoreboard at the end of the game, but if you play like that, we cannot be very much in the overall and and world championships and like you said both were like um painfully close to like kind of that dream goal let me tell you something you already know the world ain't all sunshine and rainbows it's a very mean and nasty place and i don't care how tough you are it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it you me or nobody 
is gonna hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. We need a time limit on intros. Yeah, I'm being serious. No. Yeah, Ajay. I said a minute 45 max. I want inspirational. Disney mashup is preferred. You hit that. But I I mean, four minutes and what are we at here? It was like four minutes and 20 seconds. Come on. Clabo could have skied 2K in that time. Unacceptable. We're getting, we get hate mail all the time. People saying... Oh my gosh, just get to the point. Oh, your intros are dumb. It's way too long. Blah, blah, blah. And here you go. You drop this doozy. And I mean, Ajay, you, if I say, don't bark because the girls are sleeping, you bark. If I say, don't pick that up, you inevitably roll in it. If I say, you know, don't bark at these people, stay behind me, you will inevitably sprint out of my grasp and act like you're attacking just totally harmless individuals out on the trails. And then to top it all off, like you did today, if I'm going 40 miles an hour down an icy, sketchy slope in snowmobile tracks that have been hardened over the course of the last entire winter, you will decide, you will elect to run in between my skis. I mean, it's just, it's unbelievable. But in all seriousness, wow, what an intro. If you are like me, you probably are thinking right now, you, you may have sat down to listen to this podcast, Rosie Brennan, and you were like, oh my gosh, I need to go put my running shoes on and run a marathon. You know, let's let's lift, list it off in order of inspiration. Uh, number one, Jimmy Chitwood, obviously. Let's give the call out there. We started right off. Most inspirational uh, man of all time. Most inspirational athlete maybe of all time. Who's number two? Probably, probably well, Rosie Brennan, our guest, and so excited that Rosie was so generous with her time to answer all sorts of questions. Although I will say, thanks to Ajay's intro and my rambling right now, did not have time to ask the NFT question. So sorry about that, Knox. Um, Rosie Brennan, super inspirational, all that she did. We asked her some questions about the season, how she's processing it, double polling and the ski classics performances. We asked her some development questions. We asked her, most importantly, maybe about her future. And so we're going to get to that. And she she told us everything. We we, oh, we also asked some ski questions for those tech nerds out there. So you might find a kick out of that. There's a lot in this interview coming up. Uh, other inspirational, well, how about this? We might need to have Will Bentley on the show because I keep stealing the quotes from our little phone call we had after nationals and told my wife, I'm like, isn't this kid just the man? Listen to this. And so that was Will Bentley you heard there. Uh, what what were the other inspirational quotes that we pulled? Rocky, come on, Rocky, you gotta love it. I mean, I think if we could probably spend an entire show breaking down this intro, you you have the I can go the distance, 
the hero's welcome is going to be waiting for me. You know, Rosie, the fourth place, the queen of the fourth place. Even Ben Ogden, we we heard a couple snippets in there where, you know, he's just dying to get on that, into that sprint final, doing everything he can. Um, so, I mean, it, it was just interspersed perfectly, Ajay. Really, kudos. Might have to give you an extra scoop of dinner tonight. I don't want to take too much time. I want to get to the good stuff. Um, so we're, we're going to be doing that. A couple, couple things, a couple house cleaning items, I guess I'll say is yes, I am still working on those season end awards. So I, I know I made a little four minute announcement earlier in the week. And, um, if you have some ideas for interesting tidbits, interesting awards, things you saw, things you heard, audio clips preferred, you can shoot them my way. Cedarskier at gmail.com. If you've got ideas or people who should win arguments to make, we've got, I've got a little pile of emails. I'm going to read them off on our next show because um, we just don't have too much time today. But I, I so appreciate people who have emailed me telling me some of their ideas and thoughts on the season. So we're going to share those for our season and awards show. And we also chatted with Val Constein. So I'm going to post that here probably in the next couple weeks. I've I've done some content producing, but now it's time to unravel and display them. So the season end awards show, I mean, it's not like I have to do this immediately, right? We can can draw it out like the ESPYs, you know? May 5th, even, we could have something. Who knows? Maybe, Maybe I should just say, actually, my season end awards show will happen when I'm done skiing. You know, that's actually, that's a good idea. That's a great idea. Brilliant. We'll have that. So my last day on snow, I'll come home, I'll cry for a little bit, I'll put the storage wax on, and then I'll get to work on the Season Ends Awards show. So you've got some time. Um, however, I did get out to Turquoise Lake and skied on, as I mentioned, um, some old crust. It's it's kind of only double polable right now. Nothing really smooth and skatable. But it, you know, hopefully you're out there getting your workouts in like you should be because this is the time where all those World Cup stars are taking, taking time off. You know, they're on the beaches doing nothing and... Maybe if you follow me on Instagram, you notice that I commented, you know, on Seaman Hexted Kruger's Miami post, zero days of skiing near Miami. Well, guess what, Seaman? I'm coming for you. Okay. Log in the Ks. Um, so I think that's, uh, I think those are the major housekeeping items. Um, oh, <laughs> today on my ski, I thought of a bunch of great nicknames for people on the U.S. ski team. I need to make a list and I'll share that later. But without further ado... Let's get right to it. Let's get to the main reason you came here. Rosie Brennan. How can you not like Rosie Brennan? If if you don't if you don't like Rosie Brennan as much as you should already, hopefully you will have the respect and appreci- appreciation um that for her that she deserves really a special gift to the US ski team and we were so fortunate to have her on our show. So, without further ado, here's the interview. But uh I mean first thing actually uh, on Instagram, it was, it, I saw your post here about like, hey, close out five months, week of ski touring. Where was that? Uh, how did it go? What were some of the highlights of that? Yeah, I mean, after the, um, you know, the ski classics we did were way up in northern Norway. Um, and it's honestly just been like one of those bucket list things I've had to like go ski touring up there. So I was like, well, there's no better time than now. So we stayed and went. we were, uh, we skied mostly in Senya um which is like an island right there um and yeah i mean it's coastal norway so we had a whole mix of weather <laughs> um but it's really beautiful and it was like really fun and it's it's very nice ski touring it's it's um i don't know it's not like anything like insanely epic or like whatever it's just like really nice mountains that have like good slopes and good terrain and stuff and so yeah it, it was a good uh 
kind of like week to just do something totally different and check out a completely new place that's been on my bucket list. So it was a it was a nice way to kind of reset a little bit before um coming home to like kind of honestly chaos here. <laughs> what what have you come home to? Is that like business kind of chaos now? Or you're in Alaska, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um Jesse actually coined it um life admin last year. And I was like, God, they I could not come up with a better word to describe what happens when you come home after being gone for five months. <laughs> it was definitely a life admin. <laughs> um and because we were gone for so long, we actually um had subletted our our place out. And so um, we're kind of like had to remove back in a little bit too. All of our stuff was like in a closet, like it was in the house. So we didn't have sure. to like actually take truckloads places, which is nice, but it was still like, you know, we're like unpacking. Everything's kind of just like all over the place. It's chaos. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. I can relate to that. When I made a, a series of like three moves at one point, it was like my wife and I, things kind of get smaller, which is sort of nice because yeah, you're like yeah. so sick of moving. You're like, no, yeah. we're keeping only these things. But, yeah. you know, the little storage unit, unpacking things, it gets annoying. Yeah. And yeah, uh, actually, one of the questions I wanted to ask you is, you know, what was that experience like living in Europe? And is it something that you'd recommend to skiers kind of coming up? Or is that was it unique being with you and Tyler in the career situation you were uh, where you're like, oh, that, that worked for us, but that's maybe not something. Or is it something like all the U.S. ski team athletes should be thinking about? Um, it was great. I would definitely suggest everyone at least considers it. Um, it's something like I had always kind of like had in the back of my mind is like, oh, I wonder if this would make things better. Um, but it is you know, there's kind of a lot of things that have to align for it to be like perfect. But honestly, having done it, I was like, man, I wish I, you know, like, obviously I didn't always have the option to have Tyler there with me, um, especially when we were both pursuing World Cup skiing and, you know, he was going kind of back and forth and stuff. And yeah, he had to be over here to qualify and all those things. But I was like, God, I wish I would have, you know, even just like talked to Sadie because like, you know, she's my best friend and I know I could live with her and like, see if she wanted to go in on a place um, or something like that, you know, um, like, you know, if that would have worked too, it was for me, like some people just thrive, um, being with the team all the time, which is like totally fine. It's like every, everyone's different. But for me, I like, it's not that I don't like being with the team. I just am a like fiercely independent person. And so it's like the little things of like not being told what time I have to go ski in the morning are like, yeah. like it starts to weigh on me, which is like, sounds kind of silly, but like, I just am very independent. Um, yeah. and so like having just that kind of space to like, wake up and be like oh like the conditions look good over here I'm gonna go there you know even if that's you know not what everyone else is doing and so um that kind of freedom is like very healthy for me and like really allows me kind of like that time to recover and reset and like be prepared for every weekend um and so I'm I'm so grateful that we were able to do it um it's something like we both have always talked about and um I'm grateful for Tyler for like um, kind of going along with my ploy of like making this happen. Um, even though like, you know, his World Cup career was kind of done at that point. Um, and so, yeah, so it was, a, it was a really great experience and yeah, I'm, I'm very thankful that we were able to pull it off. I mean, I, when I spoke with him in the fall, I was kind of thinking that this whole thing almost is easier for him too, right? Because he's almost more centrally located 
I guess kind of for like ski classics with his training group, like with his team or am I yeah. off on that? You know, so I, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing that was kind of nice for him, but, but it wasn't the situation where like you're coming home at five o'clock and it's dinner on the table, like a, like a norm, normal Americans, right. You know, like right. I think some people have that idea too. I was like, I wonder if they even actually saw each other, you know, like you know, they're, <laughs> yeah. they're traveling. No, we definitely did. But, um, you know, Tyler also was working uh part-time as an engineer and, and like that yeah, was yeah. in Alaska. So like, he would end up working like the part that sucks is the time change. So like he would work all evening, <laughs> which oh, is like yeah. kind of brutal. Like I'd be like, okay, do you have like a 15 minute gap in your meeting so we can at least sit down and eat dinner together? <laughs> like, yeah. you know, it's like that kind of thing. So that part was like definitely challenging. And I think that was hard for him. You know, for me, it was more just annoying for him. I think it was actually challenging. Um, so there's like definitely some things like that, you know, you kind of have to like piece through and stuff, but um, I, suppose, I think yeah. it was really cool for him to be able to like the way the calendars worked, like, he got to come to quite a few world cups and I actually got to see some of his ski classics as well. And so I think that was like a really cool experience for us to like be able to support one another in that way too. And like see the environment that we're each racing in and, and that sort of thing. So it was neat. I mean, I do want to ask some ski classics questions. I'll definitely get there, but you touched on, you know, you said, Oh, I don't want to have someone necessarily saying what time I'm going out to ski. And I'm curious at this stage in your career, you know, knowing sort of what you need, what the ingredients are training wise, um, what, what your training looks like specifically, like modalities, especially in the off season, but even in season two and, and where you kind of take direction from just, I, I know a little bit like the U S ski team, you know, they've got all their clubs and those coaches are the ones who really have the physiological plan kind of dialed in. And then, you know, Wickham and Grove are sort of like bringing you guys together. Right. I suppose. Mm -hmm. And as the season goes, then they're, they're more on the ground saying what you're going to do, I'm guessing, but yeah. What does that look like for you? Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I'm at this point, like Eric floor is my coach and he has been my coach since I came to Alaska in 2011. So like we have quite a, a, you know, long time working together. Um, and so, you know, that trust is obviously like extremely high at this point. And also like, I kind of know the plan. Like I don't always need to call him to ask what it is. Cause I, I know. <laughs> um, and so I, yeah, he's, he's the only coach that I work with. Um, and so for me in the winter, yeah, I mean, I guess that's where it is, like, where it is frustrating when it's like, oh yeah, we're going skiing at 10. And then it's like, you know, because we're in this club system, like there's literally 10 different workouts going on at that one time at 10 and like some, you know, like just the logistics of like, okay, what time is this car going back? Okay. Do you have enough clothes in case you're waiting? Okay. Your workout's running long. That doesn't really work because then you're making everyone run late. Like, you know, it's just like all those things that like kind of start to weigh on you after a while. And it's like nice to just like go out and like do the workout that, you know, you need to do and then finish when you're finished and then come home and, and have lunch and, you know, that sort of thing. And so, um, it does, you know, that's definitely one of the challenges of being from the U S and like, I think our club system is great because, you know, we have such, we're able to then have such strong training groups in the summer and like help bring up the next generation and also get challenged ourselves. Um, but it does make it challenging in the winter when like, yeah, we literally have like 10 different plans going on every single day. And I mean, even if we all had the same coach, there would still be some of that because it just gets so specific, um, for the races people are doing and their specific needs and, and, you know, physiology and all that kind of thing. So it, it does just, the winter is complicated for sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, and, and it's kind of like specifically for you on your training as, is it, have you like, 
kind of constantly been climbing in a lot of stuff or are you like doing less volume, more speed? Like how do you, how does the uh, recipe look different for you now as you've gotten older and, and better, you be honest, you know? Yeah. Yeah. For the most part, I would say I've just like steadily increased the training volume since I came to APU. Um, and now, you know, it's not perfectly linear ever. <laughs> like it's definitely a little bit more of a stair step, I would say. And, you know, even some years you might dip a little bit for whatever various reasons on purpose or not. Um, but for the most part, it's like increasing. Um, and at this point, I'm not really sure like yeah I think for the last three years I've kind of hit a place that I feel like is what I need to be at to be competitive on the world cup so I don't really know at this point that I'll be like increasing any drastic amounts um I think I'm you know kind of like working within a range that seems to work well for me and then then it becomes that like refinement um and that's different every year depending a little bit on what my goals are and then you know, this year we changed distances. So like I was trying to address some of that with my training. So that changed. Um, but it's the same basic pattern every year. It's just like, yeah, really in the details and um, maybe and where your energy or your like, you know, focus goes, you know, um, maybe some some years it's been a little more on power. Some years a little more on like threshold type training. Um, some years more on honestly just the volume. Um so it's been a little bit of mix over the years, depending on like, yeah, where, where I feel I have the most to gain and, and where my goals are at. Yeah. And, and you, you kind of have, I'm sure a, a good problem to have where it's like, you can contend for so many different things, I'm, <laughs> you know, where it's like, uh, Hey, world cup overall, world cup distance, world championship, all the races. Uh, do you feel like, well, actually, maybe it's time to ask you that question. Like, how do you, how are you reflecting on this season? Like when you set those goals, these were the priorities. Here's how I did. I know you had some obviously really close, um, close to the podium events in the, at the world championships. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Where, where are you at in, in processing and reflecting on this season and weighing the, the good, the bad, the ugly? Yeah. Um, I honestly kind of have just started, um, since I just got back, I, I use that like week in Norway to just literally not think, <laughs> um, and just, yeah, be, be outside and stuff. Um, so I just, yeah, um, have kind of like started that process of, of thinking back and, um, I mean, definitely. Yeah. And I, I for sure need to spend some time on thinking about like, you know, where my goals are, if I still, it's in like, you know, this kind of overall game or if I want to like target something more specifically, um, to try to, you know, improve that. Um, I, I haven't really figured that out, but for the most part, like, I mean, last year, yeah, for sure. Um, uh, my goals were very much in the overall and, and world championships. And like you said, both were like, um, painfully close to like kind of that dream goal. Um, and so, yeah, that's a hard place to be at this is for better or worse. The second year my Olympics was similar. So I maybe have a little more experience in like, you know, processing that, um, place where like, you know, maybe you execute the perfect race, but like, you know, whatever, there were some other uncontrollables that weren't in your favor and like kind of processing that. And it's, it's definitely challenging. Um, it's not an easy process to go through. Um, so yeah, I'm working on that. And, um, I mean, I think there were definitely some things that, went really well for me this year is like particularly the adaptation to 20 K's that was like, I think that played a lot to my strengths and, and I did, you know, focus twist a little bit in my training to like address that. And so I think that was very successful. That went well. 
Um, I think in the process, I lost a little bit in my sprint. So maybe trying to figure out a little bit where that balance can be better. Um, and maybe it's just having done it for a year. Like maybe now I, I will have the energy to like put into both of those things and, and still be successful. Um, so yeah, those are kind of the things that I'm, I'm looking at now. And as far as like self-improvement, yeah. What, what, what do you also, or do you kind of go, Hey, these are aspects of my technique that I want to improve on. Like it's, it's sort of hard to imagine, Oh, they're at the top. Like maybe they don't even think about those things, but at the same time us as fans were watching, we're like, wow, this person's really looks different when they double pull or when they V one as this athlete. And this seems to work better for this athlete. Like, do you kind of, um, introspectively look and go, uh, these are some areas for growth, even though I've, I'm a veteran. Yeah, for sure. And for me in particular, like I didn't start skiing until I was 14. So I feel like the, the technical aspect is where I'm the most behind. Um, and so that's something that like, I think does have a lot of room to grow on me. It's kind of low hanging fruit in a lot of respects. Um, you know, obviously, I mean, for, that was now 20 years ago. So like now I'm, it's less of an excuse now than it once was when I first started, maybe. Yeah. But um, um, it is amazing. Like when you pick up something later in life, it's like, you just don't have that like natural. It's yeah, it's not. Yeah. I mean, obviously skiing comes natural to me now, but it's like just the way you move is, is a little different. Um, right. And uh, I'm sure everyone has experience like picking up a sport a little, little later. Um. And so, yeah, that's like, I think that's where like Eric gets really excited and just seeing, um, even like, you know, I think that was like, what's played a big part in my success in the last three years is just like my technique finally started to like really come around. Um, and then like, it just opened a whole new window because I think I, you know, ha probably had a lot of that fitness beforehand, but what just wasn't able to, to use it in the way I wanted to. So, um, that's definitely something I look at and like, I mean, as a racer, it's like when you're in a race, you feel it like if you're getting smashed and double pull you know instantly like it's not yeah. really like you don't even really need to like go back and review video to know that like those those yeah. moments like stick in your head for sure like when you just get dusted in, in one particular technique and so um those are definitely things that like yeah you write down like immediately or like okay how am I gonna like figure this out in the summer and some of them are easy easier than others you know like I mean double pull yeah that's like really easy to do in this in the summer herringbone not as much so you have to get like a little more creative um with those kinds of things so yeah it just kind of depends on like where those things are but that's definitely something that like I'm I'm always still trying to work on on some level and um kind of the approach that I've taken with Eric is just like by increasing the volume you just spend so much more time skiing and doing distance training and like that's where you have like kind of this freedom to like play with different techniques and especially with your skiing in a group you know you can see like oh now i'm dropping them oh now this is harder and like yeah. you get that instant feedback um and so it's so much of a just like going out and playing and then and then using all those kilometers to kind of like ingrain the movements that you like um and skiing in a way that like maybe isn't even always the way you would want to race, but is a way that's going to make you stronger. Um, or like you, maybe it's like over-exaggerated or, you know, I don't know, um, things like that. And so that's kind of like the approach I've taken, which, um, I think has worked well. Like sometimes it feels like a little slow because it, or in your head, I think it feels slow. I don't think like physically it actually is, but like, you know, if you like do video, it's like you get that instant feedback, but I think the actual change is like much harder than like watching it on video. Like oh, it does yeah. actually take like the hundreds of thousands of K of doing it to get right. better at it. So, um, that's like been a big focus over the years.
Yeah, yo, for sure. And, and I think I, even recreational skiers can relate to the idea of like watching a visual, but then the difference between that and like going out on your roller skis and thinking about something technical, you know, where, where your weight is on your feet or what your, uh, an angle is with your arms. I mean, there's just an endless list yeah. and, and we're us bad skiers. We have too many things to think about. So the challenge is more just like, all right, choose this and try to improve it for the next two minutes, you know, and then yeah. go have fun. And I, I, I think I'm curious, like, what, what are the uh, sentences being written in Rosie Brennan's brain, you know, at the same idea when you're kind of out there on a long ski, um, and then, yeah, I want to ask you about like skiing in a group too, when you, when you absorb, um, things from, from just that as well. But first, yeah. What, what kind of, what specifically would you kind of like be thinking about or trying to do, do you think, or assume you will be in the, in the fall or summer, fall, spring? Yeah. Um, one thing that like, I've really tried to focus a lot on is like, uh, we call it like an external cue. So like, rather than thinking about like, you know, the angle of my elbow or the angle of my ankle or something which is like really hard to feel I try to yeah. like put it more into a feeling um so like you know what does the road feel like under my wheel or like ideally the snow under your ski <laughs> if yeah. you can ski um and like figuring out which one like you know when I put pressure on my ski in different ways like which one gives me the best feeling so I really am always trying to focus on the feel of it rather than like the I don't know, kinematics of it. Um, just yeah, yeah. That's like, it's really difficult to perceive that. Um, and, you know, like my skeleton is probably not like the same skeleton that's in a perfect, right. in a lab somewhere, you know, like we're all yeah. slightly different. Our proportions right. are different. Our strengths are different. And so, um, you know, like having the feeling that's best for me, like probably isn't best for someone else or like isn't going to look the, yeah. way, the same way. Um, and so like, yeah, I've been very like feeling based, um, and then, you know, like when I'm in a group, it's, it's awesome. Um, like, I mean, I feel so fortunate for so many years. I had such an incredible group of Sadie and and Becca and the, up uh, in the other Rosie, um, up here. And like, we just had such a good dynamic, um, where we were always able to kind of discuss these things without like feeling threatened or competitive. Like yeah. we just had a really great relationship that way. And so, um, and we had such varying strengths. Like my struggle has always been more like on the downhill and kind of like rolling terrain and Sadie and Becker, like phenomenal at that. So like, you know, when we're skiing that stuff, I'm like, Whoa, how did you just do that? Like, what are you doing? You know? And then yeah. we like talk about it and play with it a little bit, um, as a group. And like, that's so helpful to hear like different ideas and like what they're doing and stuff. And then, you know, I try to then reciprocate on, on something that's my strength. And, um, a lot of times we like make up you know names for it and stuff like um Sadie always like my strength is like in gradual v2 and so she calls it she calls it moosing that was like the term that we came up with it because moose are like well moose are everywhere here but they're like really good at going straight but not yeah. so good at like turning so like anytime we get to that part it'd be like okay let the moose come through like she'll lead us through this and you know like we make it fun like that um and so like I think that's what's like helped me so much is just like yeah, having that kind of environment where you can really collaborate, um, and, and make fun of it and, uh, have a good time with it. And then like, also then go, you know, take the, the solo time and, and go, um, practice like ingraining all those things and like, yeah, focus, being able to like actually feel the difference between like when you're nailing it and when you're not, because that's, that's what then you can come back to in a race. It's like really hard to think about like, Oh, is my ankle at the right angle when yeah, you're like, yeah. Yeah. you know, right. like, yeah, yeah. still get like a feeling. Um, so yeah. So that's kind of how I focus on it. Um, and then like, 
you know, you hopped into these ski classics races and the double pole is the only technique used. Right. So I was kind of, I'm going to, I'm going to weave myself into this conversation. That's what I tend to do. And the, and the listeners hate it because it's like, <laughs> just shut up. Right. But, um, in one of the last citizens races, we had a university of Denver skier was there and, and it was 50 K and, and, um, that doesn't happen often, you know, for us to yeah. have someone who's yeah. that at that level. And so I was, I was with him on his tail, um, was in front of him. He was on the side. It was just like in the moments we were together I, I, and we were both using the same technique. It was crazy how like that osmosis kind of like, whoa, you can see he's really, he he's getting way up over his skis. I'm going to kind of do yeah. that. And you just match it. And I was wondering yeah. like, I wonder if Rosie bread in hopping in a ski classics race, if there's this level of intimidation or osmosis because there's a little bit of both for me even as yeah. you know being someone oh this guy's better than me but look at what he's doing um was that kind of a, a thought that was going through your head like as you're with these these ladies who have like really specifically trained for that i mean it's mm -hmm. it's not totally the wide exaggeration but like a bmx biker all of a sudden hopping in with the tour de france right like it's right. a totally different skill set but yeah um how was that for you yeah, I mean, it's definitely intimidating, like, especially having watched Tyler go through that, like, and I, I did the uh, Norwegian Birkenbeiner last year, so I, right, I right. had, like, this one experience to kind of, like, base it on, and, like, I mean, that time, like, you know, that was the first time the that race had been won by a female double pulling, um, and so my eyes were, like, blown wide open by just how strong those girls are in double pull, and um, I realized that, like, yeah, it is it is quite different to train specifically for that. Um, it's very right. different than like world cup skiing. Um, and then also watching Tyler do it. So like, yeah, definitely I was intimidated, but you know, the reason I picked those two races is because, um, climbing and <laughs> yeah, the rise to the has never been won on right. double skis. So I was like, right. well, I know I can use my kick wax. So, um, but yeah. definitely I'm like, well, probably coming down to a sprint finish with someone who's really good at doubles, not going to be like the card I should be playing. <laughs> so like, Oof. you know, you, you do have to think about like, you know, where your strengths lie in that. Um, but you know, also like Austrid Slind is like, uh, I mean, she was skiing world cup and did amazing at world championships. And so like, yeah, I, I guess I kind of knew what I was going against there and that yeah. it was going to be hard no matter what the, the technique was or the terrain and um, that, yeah, we were going to have a duel either way. Um, and so, yeah, I was, I was in it for the, for the duel, for the fun. It was good. <laughs> I mean, I think she's sort of been someone who's like this crossover making um, ski classics. Um, I don't know if like not, relevance, not the right term, but like valid in some ways, because I think, mm -hmm. There's the people who are like, well, this isn't the World Cup. It's like, well, yeah, no, duh. This is way different, you know, but the fact that she was able to, and I know she's got some World Cup background, so it's not totally like a foreign thing for her, but yeah. I, I thought that was really cool to see her race. And also I, I was kind of curious if like the nature of her training was something World Cup athletes could take from and learn in terms of like, wow, having like the double pull as a sub technique, it's so foundational to everything else. Having that right. so locked in, maybe that really does um improve your skating you know people were like yeah oh she'll she won't be able to handle the skating and then there's that's the one event in the skiathlon or right yeah right where she did so well um maybe that's that's something world cuppers can take and vice versa where the ski classics guys it's like you don't have to you know bash your brains out with five hour double pull sessions <laughs> seven days a week it's you yeah, know yeah. what i mean um but but yeah have you kind of thought about anything like that and being that you were have dipped your toes into the ski classics world? Like what is there to be gleaned from both of these pools? 
Yeah, I mean, I think like yeah, you you're completely right. Um, you know, double pull is very foundational, and so like having that training background is definitely not harmful. Um, and I think you know her example is just a great example of someone who like I I don't know every detail of her story, but like you know obviously World Cup didn't pan out when she was I don't know twenty three or whatever it was that she stepped away from it. Um, and then, you know, went to ski classics and in some ways that's kind of like, you know, going back to the drawing board and starting over and doing this other thing. And clearly, you know, she either needed the time or just a different type of training and, and whatever, what maybe both, like whatever it was, it clearly worked. Um, and so I think it's just yeah. like a cool example of like, there are just so many ways to get there. And so like, if you don't fit into like this one mold that's been handed to you, like that's not a reason to give up. Like, you know, maybe it's just that you need to step back and try a different type of racing for a while and then, you know, come back or, or, you know, maybe you just find that like ski classics is your true love and that's what you want to do. And that's like totally awesome too, because it is, um, you know, super legit at this point, like yeah. those guys are and girls are no joke. Um, they're very strong athletes. And so, um yeah i i definitely was very inspired by by what she's done um i personally don't have a ton of interest in only double pulling like i actually just love the variety that skiing gives me and so like i think i would have like yeah a hard time giving up that um aspect of uh, on of that of skiing, but i definitely see the benefit to doing like yeah. more double pull training for sure uh, on that point i mean i know i gotta ask you like is the ski classics in your future and um, maybe before you answer to that, even like, is it possible to be world-class in ski classics and for, for you, you think, and not just double pull all the time, you know, and, and maybe Slynn is some evidence that, yeah, you don't necessarily have to, cause she's obviously not, but is, is yeah. that in your future? Do you think once world cup's done? Um, Probably not just given that, yeah, I just don't really have that much interest in, in only double point. Like not that there's any, like, I think it's, it's actually like a really cool challenge. Um, I mean, some of those courses are very challenging to double pull. And so there is like, I definitely get that aspect and could probably get behind it for a, a small period of time. But um, sure. I really like, I love the variety of, of racing. Like, I think that's what's kept me interested for so long. Um, I guess I'm, yeah, a little more, like need a little more stimulus, maybe, I don't know. But sure. I mean, yeah, Ostrid has definitely shown that you can be like the best in both, um, which is pretty cool. Um, Cause that just like opens up the world of possibilities for everyone. And um, yeah, it's, I don't, it would be interesting to see someone do like kind of the opposite of what she did because, you know, like, I don't know how, I mean, I don't know all the details of her training background, but there were probably some years where she, did double pull every day for five days, sure. seven days a week or whatever. Yeah. And you know, maybe it's only in the last few years that she's added more like skater class. Like, I don't know those details, but like, right. um, like how it is an interesting question of like, how many, how many hours of double pull do you need to be competitive on ski? Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. that's, that's kind of the question. And I don't know the answer to that. Probably increasing at this point with the people exactly. who really specialize, which, yeah. um, I, I don't think that's necessarily good for ski classics either. Honestly, like I think that your sentiment is felt by ski fans in general, you know, like we, yeah. Hey, we like those courses. We like the history. We like the challenge. 
it's a little like, yeah, maybe I even think they should just have honestly two days every weekend where it's like, there's a skate and a classic like they do yeah. in lop it, you know, and, and force right. them. It's like, no points are going to be up for grabs here. So you, you got to be good at that too, or something like that. Yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah. And it's interesting. You brought this point of like, everyone's still got that, that different path. Um, and so don't really give up. And you're kind of the poster child, I think of that as of late. And I was imagining as I'm typing this question out, I'm like, Oh, this is, I don't want to be like the nauseating journalist bringing up a, that question again of like, well, what does it mean to you to, you know, be uh, older and, and you're look at you're blossoming now. And what does this mean for the development pipeline and stuff? But then, then David Norris comes on and his is a little bit different too. And I know I, I reached out an email for that story, but I mean, is that whole idea for you evolving? Do you think like maybe endurance sports in general, people need to start to rethink the paradigm of this is your prime or there even is a thing as a prime, you know, like, cause it just seems like there's so many different variables and sport dependent. We got Kipchoge, he's 40 years old. He's setting world records, you know, like people can just be healthier. So how has that topic kind of evolved for you as yes, the poster child of uh, the late bloomer or whatever? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess I just believe in it more and more as, as you see these examples like Ostrid and, um, you know, other people, um, just let, like, not that it's the way that everyone has to do it, but that it's certainly an option. Um, and that for some people, maybe the only option, like <laughs> sometimes you, you know, I of course wish I was as good as I am now when I was 20, but that's just not how yeah. life panned out for me. Um, and you know, I'm grateful to have had the freedom to like, take the time to get to where I am now. Um, it's been like su such a rewarding journey and I wouldn't take it back for anything. Um, and so I, I just hope like it's, you know, like whether it's on the club level or the national team level, or, like whatever, like as a, we're honestly as a discipline, like in fist that we like, you know, make sure that we have those opportunities for people to take the time they need to develop. Um, and then also that, not only that, but that also what we're asking people to do is like sustainable enough that they can do it until they're 40, if that's what they want to do, because, you know, clearly uh, we're learning that like, yeah, the physiology allows you and like your body can certainly do that and you can be competitive and um, it's not, is maybe like wild as we once thought um, to be good, like well, and as you age. Um, and so, you know, that's something, I mean, this year, like the world cup was 100% not sustainable for people. So I think we're like a long ways from that at the moment. Um, and so like, I hope we can kind of like address those things because yeah, I think it is really important to have a sport that like gives people like opportunity to come in and out as they need. And then also to like be state like sustainable enough that people can do it for a really long time. Because I think that's, that's what ultimately makes it a, uh, yeah, a good sport and like something that people want to follow. And, um, you know, they get really get to know the athletes and all that kind of stuff. And it just makes for a healthier space for people to be into. So, yeah. As someone on the world cup. Yeah. There's, I mean, I, I listen to a lot of people that say, well, this is what's wrong with this, or this is what's wrong with the U S um, ski team or development or whatever. I just kind of read the comments. I, mm. I don't participate too much in that. Uh, people, as people will pause the show, be like, right. You talk about this on your podcast, but I'm not that educated. I, I, I know that I preface it, but you've been there. What, what are some of the like, um, thoughts you have on some of those key issues, whether it's here's how we grow the sport or here's how we improve our team, um, you know, domestically and, and whatever. Yeah. I mean, 
I guess they're like kind of two very different topics. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, like for growing the sport and stuff, I mean, yeah, I mean, I would definitely say that the amount we were racing on World Cup this year was like pretty unsustainable for people to do for a long time, especially a young athlete. Like, I think it's one thing for Jesse and I to do it. Like we've been racing for a really long time and maybe have that, that base that allows us to do it. Um, and so I think that's something that probably needs to be addressed. I mean, I guess it's probably good for fans. Like people get super into it because they have so much <laughs> racing to watch. I don't know. Maybe they get burnt out. I don't know. No, but, no, um, we loved it. We loved it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess we need to like work on the supply and demand <laughs> aspect of it a bit. Um, but also like, you know, just doing a really good job of sharing some of the stories of all these other athletes, like, um, you know, media tends to be so focused on like just the winners and, and, or like things that are just political or in, yeah, in, in, clickbaity commercial or something like that. Yeah. Just someone said that was just outlandish or whatever. And like, <laughs> but like the people in skiing are like all really interesting people and like, yeah. Um, you know, everyone has a different story and especially like some from people from some of these countries that don't get as much coverage outside Scandinavia and, um, you know, like why they're there, how they got there, like all those things. Like, I think that's what makes it interesting. So I hope that we can like get to a place where like, that's this kind of stuff that's highlighted through, you know, various media outlets and things like that. Um, and you know, the controversy is good too. Of course, people love that, but like, you know, maybe balance it out with like some of the, some of the more good stuff. Um, oh, yeah. I, lo I loved it when you, I think it was you that responded to some reporter, you know, is, is Norway ruining the sport by winning all the time? <laughs> I was just like, oh my gosh, I'd be so ticked if I was an athlete <laughs> and I fielded that question. And, and I also would have, I think it was that, that was the world cup where Sweden, the, the, the women maybe had like five of the six people in the sprint final yeah, exactly. you know too and and I, if it would have been a norwegian report i've been like oh, are you referring to sweden you know just like yeah, yeah, get yeah. the knife into them but yeah but it's just like i mean yeah i i agree with you you know stakes and storylines i think it's uh kate fagan the espn writer who she has a book out you know she's yeah she came and visited us at the veil vale daily actually which was pretty cool it was one of my first weeks so i didn't really know um all about her history and stuff but yeah she's got this this idea of like it's stakes and storylines that kind of hook people in so having this is something that matters uh is big and you know i think with the world cup points the sh the the shift they had this year maybe that made it more interesting in some regards where it's like now every race really kind of matters you can't really sit mm -hmm. out or, or whatnot but man we saw this crazy diversity of like um frida and ebba really picking their moments that they were going to show up and then slind is like racing 760ks in a 10-day span and just being like that's no big deal for me you know and, and so it is kind of it's kind of interesting i think how you said like this was ivan bobikov and he told me this hilarious story and i didn't click record and it was the most tragic thing ever um <laughs> Oh, uh, and then I was like, retell that, Yvonne, with all the energy that you know how to. Um, okay, so I didn't really let you respond to land that second part where, like, development-wise, you know, and I'm sure every athlete's got their opinions and some things you probably, you know, like, well, I can't really say this. I'm still a member of the U.S. ski team. But, I mean, you've always been someone who's just kind of like, I'll, here's my opinion, you know. Maybe you don't yeah. feel like you have as much to lose. But, yeah, what do you see when you – and and I want to know, too, curiously, like, as you see Norwegian athletes and Swedish athletes and talk to them and some of these powers, I'm wondering, do you, do you kind of go, Hey, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Because I think the, in the fan base, it's like, well, Norwegian, Norway does everything right. So we should be just copying them. And it's like, well, we're not the same you know, country as them, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, speak to that a little bit. Um, what, you know, from experience and competing and, and mingling with them. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, like development in the U.S. is it's interesting because, I mean, clearly, like we're headed in in the right direction. Like we keep having more and more athletes that are skiing at a higher level at a younger age. Um, and so like, that's really great. So like overall, yeah, I think we're doing quite well. Um, you know, there's always like <laughs> small details that like, or like things that you want to improve. And, um, you know, especially now that we have like younger athletes racing on world cup and stuff, like figuring out how, um, NCAA fits into that picture, I think is like a significant yeah. challenge. I mean, not that that's a new challenge. That's like a, that comes back every like six or so years, it seems like, yeah, it's um, different. It's like, how are we going to deal with this, um, thing? But now it's like, I think it's interesting because it's, it's not just like, how does the NCAA fit in with like us skiing? It's like, how does it fit in with world cup racing? You know, it's like right. these kids are at a, at a much higher level than like I was when I was racing NCAA skiing. And so, um, I think that's a challenge and I, I don't know that I have the answer for that other than like, yeah, there's gotta, I mean, there has to be some sort of a solution because it's like, it is a really incredible development tool. Um, but like, yeah, we have to figure out how to use it in the right way. Um, yeah. so I think that's something. And then, um, just like, you know, like continuing to build, like, I guess the culture of skiing in the U S and, you know, that's like the thing that a lot of those Scandinavian countries have is it is just like a strong culture and they have so many, you know, examples role models, people that did it different ways, um, you know, all that kind of thing where I think we often get stuck into like this one, one path or trying to emulate one person because we just don't have as, as broad of a, a background and, um, you know, culture to like pick and choose from. And so I think that's, you know, it's coming with time, of course. Um, but yeah, it could always be faster, I guess. Sure. Um, but like, you know, our, our training background and, and knowledge is definitely not as high. And, you know, that's kind of like a really, this is one thing that I actually find. And unfortunately there really isn't a great solution, but it's kind of an interesting phenomenon is like at this point, like our development trajectory has been so um, strong and like our results curve is so steep right now that like there are no or very few coaches in the u.s that have competed at the level that we're competing at um and not that that's like a requirement to be a good coach it's certainly not but um the perspective definitely helps um even you know whether it's whether like even outside of coaching but just like you know managing the team or yeah. um you know working in the industry or like you know anything just having um, that experience or like knowing what it actually takes to be at, to be racing at this level, I think is, is very challenging. Um, and so I definitely think that's kind of a hurdle that we're facing, especially with like some of the younger kids that like really need that support. Um, and that, you know, like help to develop like in the right way, in the right capacity. Um, and so, yeah, I guess that's, I, I hope us older athletes can help, you know, even if we're like, of course not writing their training plan, but yeah, I was going to say, are, are you taking uh, the coaching job then when you're, when you're, job, <laughs> you're the next coach? No, I mean, you know, that unfortunately that is like the only, uh, that's the only way, right? solution to like yeah. make this is to have some former athletes come back and coach. And so like, I do, I do hope that that's, that someone wants to, I don't know if it's going to be me, but, um, yeah. I do hope that's like an aspiration for someone, um, because it definitely like 
yeah, I definitely think it adds something to have that perspective. And of course we're getting, you know, like we had the trail to gold fellowship this year. And so we got like a whole bunch yeah. of women coaches that got, at least got to see what that's like and see yeah. what we do every day. And like, I think all of that helps. And so, um, you know, it's definitely something we're trying to address, but I, I definitely think it's like a significant hurdle, especially for the, the younger athletes, like just to know, like, okay, what does it take as a junior to be competitive later? And, um, you know, and I'm not even the best example for that because I, it took me so long to be competitive. And so then, you know, you have one example in, in Jesse and that's hard because it's one example and like, she's one yeah. person and there's so many different paths and that path is definitely not going to work for everybody. And so, right. um, you know, like figuring out that, that balance is, is definitely tricky and, and it's, it's hard for the young kids for sure. I've always kind of thought that one advantage Norway has on the coaching aspect is at the very youngest levels, like the five-year-olds, their coaches, yeah, they're not world cup skiers, but they were all really like proficient skiers, you know, yeah. whereas a lot of times yeah. in America, you've got uh, a dad who's I've got a five-year-old. Or, yeah. I'll coach the team. And then all of a sudden it's like, right. well, you're starting them off at a, at a disadvantage compared to the Norwegian. I, I never thought about it from the top down too, where it's like, oh, wow, you guys are breaking barriers literally. So you've got coaches who haven't, haven't been there, but is what would you say is like the aspect that that person brings is it like a sports psych benefit of at a world cup like here's kind of what you'd be thinking or or is it i guess you kind of mentioned like even just scheduling you know thinking about how yeah. we're going to travel and stuff what's the most important thing you think they that that would enable you to receive yeah God, I don't know what the most important would be, but it is kind of like all those aspects. Like, yeah, okay. I mean, one, what it feels like to race 34 World Cups in a season. I mean, that's even just 34 races. Like I doubt any of our coaches yeah. have ever done that. Like it's, it's a lot. And so like, you know, what is the demand both mentally and physically on that? Um, you know, the skis um, is a huge thing. Like if you haven't had to race against Norway skis, you don't know what that feels like. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. a huge battle. And then like, yeah, the travel, um, what it's like to live in Europe for, five months racing. I mean, obviously our coaches and techs have to do that too. So like right. maybe they do actually have a relatively good understanding, but like, you know, a junior coach doesn't know what they're preparing, what they're preparing a kid they're, for. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so it kind of like trickles down at, at all different levels. And so like, it's kind of those small things, I think like, yeah, of course, like you can not have raced at that level and be an incredibly motivational coach. You can have a ton of yeah. Um, knowledge and, and background and physiology and be able to write an incredible training plan. But it's kind of like in those small, it's nuanced, you know, in those small details that like makes, makes it so that you can like just completely 100% have an athlete be prepared for like what they're going into. Yeah. Yeah. That all goes together too. I think some people view it like, well, this guy knows his sports science. This guy knows the travel aspects. Like, no, no, these things fit together. So you can't just yeah. try and cover your bases like that. That's interesting. I, you kind of touched a little bit on um, you know, talking about the, I guess I'll call it the state of the union address. Like if you had to give one for the U S ski team, uh, both boys and girls, what, what would be like your key points coming off this season? And I mean, we saw some of the big results and yeah, they, there's some splashy ones out there with Jesse and, and the sprint relay team and stuff like that. And even honestly, like people were really celebratory for your world championships race too. Some people were saying like, that was the best distance race um, by an American ever, you know, so th those things are great, but what are you seeing you kind of being with this team that you could give us some Intel on like, Hey, watch out for this guy or gal next year. Yeah. I know. I know they didn't get a lot of press, but like they're doing some things that are, you know, exciting. Yeah. I mean, obviously Ben winning the green Jersey is like, I mean, I guess that kind of put a target on his back, but like, I mean, that's insane. That was like yeah. an incredible accomplishment. And, um, 
you know, he's, he's, I guess maybe an obviously one to watch like what he, I was very impressed by everything he did. Um, but then even like, you know, Novi, she, like, she had a, excuse me, but shit start to the season and, you know, not at all what she was capable of and like came back and, and figured it out and then showed up back in world cup crushing and like that is yeah. that is incredible like i don't think people realize how challenging that is to do um it's it's really hard to get like just crushed and then turn it around and come back and and put together some good results and so like i was very impressed by that um and like julia you know like her consistency was like so so much better this year than it had been in past years and like you know that's kind of like when we think about or at least when i think about like you know, getting better. That's kind of what it is. You have like a few strong results and then maybe the next year your results kind of plateau, but it's the consistency that comes up and then maybe you could get a few, you know, a few good. And like, that's kind of that stair step um, process that happens. And so like, that's really cool to see. Like, I think she has, you know, much more to go. And then, um, you know, like Hunter had some incredible results that I think were relatively when unnoticed or maybe unexpected um both from him and and from his his uh, team um his he like really you know that's that was a cool example of somebody who took um these new race formats like the opportunity of a 10k and was like just figured it out and just crushed in 10ks like he mastered yeah. that um and so that's like that's really cool to see somebody do that um and then I, um, you know, maybe I'm a little biased because these are all my teammates at APU, but like, you know, Scott is also like, yeah. I, I feel extremely underrated in like the greater picture of US skiing. Like, I mean, his ability to like throw down in a, in a distance race, particularly like 30s and 50s um, is insane. Um, and it's like, it is very consistent. Like he's always in there in those races. Um, and so that's like, yeah, something really cool. So, I mean, honestly, I think like as a team, like, yeah, we definitely, I'm sure there's, I haven't seen like the coaches report yet, but I'm sure there's goals we missed and I'm sure there's some we exceeded. And I mean, I guess that's how any season goes, but um, like as a whole, I think the, what's cool is the momentum, Um, like the young guys and girls like really mesh well and like have each other's backs and are doing it as a team, which is like the best part in my opinion and like the part that makes it makes it sustainable makes it so you can like go for a long time and um have a, a long career and also like improve at a at a faster rate i think and so um that's like really awesome to see and then i'm sure there'll be new young people joining the team this year um and so you know that kind of like uh trajectory is continuing as as we move down the ranks and so like well yeah i mean you had sammy on the world cup which is yeah. you know that shows that um like there's just more coming and so uh i think that's yeah really really cool to see so i feel i feel super optimistic about the team and in the future and it's like definitely something that's like motivated me to keep going like I mean, I'm like so much older than all of them, but like, yeah. I, I feel like they keep me young and it's like, yeah. I still have a great time, um, traveling and racing with them. Um, and I hope that, you know, I can, I can help kind of that like hurdle of like getting them, like offering my experience to like help them jump maybe hopefully faster than I did. And, and so sure. it's, it's a huge motivator for me. Novi, it's interesting you brought her up. I uh, she was here at Malloy Park for like just the 
the podunk RMSI, you know, meet. I'm like, oh my gosh, we got Nova McCabe and Sophia Lockley here. So I like dedicated two pages to the Vale Daily for covering. Yeah. It was great. But I was asking her, you know, like what she was, what she's planning, how she's finishing her season. And at the time, you know, she's, well, I'm, I'm going to go to NCAAs. I'm going to take in that experience, you know, and she did those things. And that was interesting to me, especially time back kind of this, where does the NCAA picture fit in? Because we've got more Americans that are really dominant at the NCAA side that we, that we had, uh, you know, five, 10 years ago. And she's definitely one of them. And it was like, wow, she hopped on the world cup. And really that was like a stepping stone. It wasn't, yeah, sure. You won an NCAA title, but welcome to the big dance. Like to, to, that was a little bit illuminating to me at, at least. I mean, is that, Hey, yeah. That's exactly what I mean. This is how we need to use the NCAA for you. Or is that like, well, Novi had that in her the whole time, but, you know, under the weather, sick and Ruka, that kind of thing, just didn't get a chance. Um, is that kind of how you see that? Or or when you look at that, like, wow, what a wild thing. Yeah. One moment she's racing in Malloy Park in a tiny Dink Vale, Colorado. And then the next minute she's doing really well in the World Cup. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think it's a little bit of both. Like, I definitely think Novi had that in in her, and she just had like you know bad luck in in the fall. Um, but it does, you know, it does show how the NCAA does give an opportunity for someone like that to come back and like still get races in, like be able to race and um, in an environment that's like a, maybe a little less threatening and more comfortable for her. And like, I mean, yeah. college racing is really fun, so it definitely like helps kind right. of can re help relieve a little bit of that pressure and, and, um, you know, like kind of get her feet back under her so that she could, could come back and do that. And, um, yeah, I think it is just an example of like how, how those race, having those race opportunities when you do come home is important, you know, whether it's super tour or NCAA or whatever. Um, and so like, you know, figuring out how that fits in, um, is like the complicated part part because of course like if you're under scholarship like then well then there is yep. pressure and you do have to go to ncaa's it's not like oh maybe i'll come if i'm not on world cup or you know it doesn't yeah. quite work like that so like that's yeah. the you know that's the complicated part is figuring out like yeah, i suppose where those opportunities are best used and best saved for another year or whatever hey you brought up uh skis too i'm curious like where does that look like for you right now are you testing prototype or like is there a special closet in austria that's just labeled like rosie brennan and you go over there and here's the lightning fast skis for you rosie or like yeah what what kind of uh uh what how, how does that fit into your off season i guess and what can you say yeah. about about that yeah so that's like I mean, pretty different for each person, depending on like which brand you ski for. It looks different. Um, yeah, I've been with Rosignol for quite a while now. And so I have, I have quite a strong relationship with them. Um, and they're like in the big picture, actually quite a small brand um, in terms of like their operator, like their factory and like uh, product operation, that sort of thing. Um, at least compared to like Fisher. Um, and so it's a lot more, their model is like they have they have a, a World Cup. I don't know what his job title is, but like whatever. Yeah, yeah. Guy in charge of World Cup athletes. Yeah, and yeah. He has he has some helpers too. Um, and they're fortunately they're the ones that like are testing all the skis. Um, so the the way Rosignol works is like those guys. Um, you know, take the batches of skis. They do it all summer. They go to the tunnels or the glaciers or whatever. Um, and right. then they're doing it also all World Cup season. Um, they're testing all the skis, figuring out which ones are best, putting the appropriate grinds on them, all that kind of thing. And and then then they hand them out to the athletes. So by the time I get a pair of skis, like it's been tested 
I don't know, somewhere between six and 10 times. Um, so like it's been, been through the works. Um, and then, you know, obviously there's a pecking order. Um, and so like, as to what pair of skis you get handed from that test. Um, but, but like with your performances too. Yeah. Do you like have any awareness of that? Like, well, gee, I, I did this. So like, I better move up. Or is that kind of just like, here's your skis, you know? And, um, and like, I mean, for sure. and, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, when, once I started being like, you know, consistently up there, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you start getting handed skis a lot more often. You're like, okay, <laughs> this is how this works. And, sure. um, you know, the quality of your ski goes up. Like, yeah, I mean, I don't think that's like a, a secret. I think that's, that's the case for every brand that part's universal. There is a pecking order, unfortunately. <laughs> well, and, and I think we kind of knew that. And like, you know, they yeah. always say, well, Jesse's got the best ski Solomon, right? But I was kind of wondering, it's like, well, but if you're not like, someone like Klabo, who's winning 20 times in a year, yeah. it's the obvious front runner. It's like, you know, that I was kind of wondering, yeah, if you're kind of like fighting and your career has been such a grind, like gradually moving up. And when you're yeah. battling that, that element of the sport, that is the the unfairness of the ski quality and the, and the options. I was like, man, I wonder if you're, if you're rosy, are you just kind of blind that whole way? And you just kind of are getting more stuff, but not really ever totally getting to sit at the table and go like, yeah. Hey, I deserve to move up in front of Joe bag of donuts now. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, yeah, I guess it's a little yeah. bit of everything, but, yeah. um, I feel like, I mean, I feel incredibly thankful that I en ended up on Rosinal because, um, when in 2018, when I was cut from the national team, like there, um, I don't even know if I should say this, but <laughs> they're like in the contractual agreement, they, if you get cut from the national team, they can no longer support you. Um, that's just sure. how it works. Um, and so when I got cut, they were put in a really hard place where they didn't quite know what to do. Um, and they ultimately made the decision to support me anyway. Um, and for that, I will be forever grateful for because yeah, I don't wow. think I could have made the turnaround that I did without that support. Um, so, you know, I, that year, that next year I like came out swinging and said, I immediately had good results and, um, they were like, okay, yes, we need to like fully invest in, in Rosie and, and give her the best skis we can. And so like, I That's instantly incredible. started getting, um, skis, even though like contractually they were not supposed to be doing that. And, and they just like truly believed in me and decided that it was worth the risk and, um, yeah, I'm, I'm like so grateful for that. And so, um, that, you know, made a huge difference, but it also made me aware of like, yeah, just how fleeting it, it is like, you know, one minute you're there and the next minute you can't even get a pair of skis. Um, and so sure. like, it's, it's hard. Um, and it can be a little like, yeah, dog eat dog like that. Um, and so, yeah, I, I feel thankful that I met the right people and that like, you know, we, I have been with them long enough that, you know, they feel invested in me and I feel invested in them. And so, you know, we do have like constant communication throughout the season of like, you know, like every race, I give them feedback on the skis. They help, they're helping my test tech, this test all my skis, um, and like trading skis in and out. And so, so it's like this between my tech, um, and, and Rosignol, it's and me, like we, yeah, we have this triangle and we're like always going back and forth and figuring out how to make things work, um, where we can improve what we can do better and all that sort of thing. And for me, like, because it is a small, smaller brand and they can't produce endless amounts of skis. Like the fact that the other girls on Rosignol are very similar size to me is like a, also a huge benefit because then when they're making a batch of skis, they're going to make them for us. Um, sure. so, you know, then 
then at least like you know maybe maybe on a he you know a sprint yeah the best pair of skis is definitely going to yona not me but like at least like you know the second bet like the batch they made for her is going to be the best you know they put the best they could into that so the second best pair is still gonna be pretty damn good so like yeah. you know um so like that's also been you know and that's all luck like you can't <laughs> control this thing so yeah um, but that's like kind of how it works for me. And it, and it looks very different depending on like what brand you are and how they have it set up. So that's definitely not like universal yeah, yeah. across yeah. everybody and, and all ski brands, but um, it's, it's been a really good situation for me. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm thankful for it and we'll be continuing with Rosignol. That's a super sweet story. I'm so glad you uh, shared it. And the other oh, last thing on ski questions is, do you have like a one pair that always kills? You know, are you like, I you know that, well, they got 90, 90 skis in their quiver, but then it's like, yeah. you talk to Sonny's out, it's like, yeah, but I use like three and Clabo even, he is always, he is never using like the new, um, what's it, the Helix or whatever, out the yeah. Heliums. It's like, I bet he has one. That's just amazing. Is that the case for you? Yeah. Uh, yes and no. Um, it, you know, that kind of ebbs and flows too. like, as the companies are doing like R and D and developing new things, I think sometimes they blow it out of the park and the new skis are just like way better. And then I think sometimes they kind of miss it. And then, yeah. like, well, thank God I saved some of my old skis. Cause like, you know, these new ones aren't quite what I, what I hoped. And so that like, definitely just like, you know, that's R and D that's how it works. Um, it okay. ebbs and flows a bit. Um, I definitely less so like, for me, I have less of that happen now than I did when I, just because I'm getting so many more skis, like you end up okay. finding good ones. But, um, I definitely have had a few pairs that, yeah, you end up racing a lot on. And then it's like the tech finally tells you they're losing the test and you're like, no, I can't, I can't get rid of them. <laughs> Don't make me do it. <laughs> it becomes emotional on some level for sure. <laughs> Mail them to like Renshaw, Minnesota and hand, give them to some random high school kid. That'd be, that'd be a good story. Um, Oh, interesting. Okay. Thank you so much for this time. I've got like some quick hitting questions and then one uh, more serious one to close it. So um, we'll just run down the list here. Must have breakfast item or post-workout food. What is it for you? Yeah. Muffins. <laughs> I, I, for, I actually travel with like muffin, like tin sort of thing because I love, um, that's like what I eat after every workout. And so like I, and I love baking. So I make muffins. Nice. So. What, what, what kind of muffins do you go? Do you follow like the, uh, Shalane Flanagan recipe book? You have your own special Yeah, I or? definitely, that's kind of like what got me into the, like realizing like, oh, muffins actually this great, like packable thing that you can really do anything with. Yeah. But, um, you know, those, that recipe kind of provides you like this good base that you can literally do anything with. So yeah. like, you know, and especially in Europe, like you
and I love the way she skis it. I guess I, I relate to it more just like her use of, of, Cedar Skier podcast. Uh, what ones do you listen to, if any? <laughs> yeah, neither. I, I, uh, you stay out I of the do fray. my best to like avoid the media that I am presented in, just for sake of my own sanity, and maybe not also becoming a avoiding becoming a narcissist too. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. To read about myself. <laughs> what is the question you wish reporters would ask you after a race? Uh Gosh, that's a great question. Uh, I don't know, maybe just like more stories about the race, like, you know, yeah. the actual, like the stories, like what happened in the, like, not just like what actually happened, like, oh, I placed here and then this, but like, you know, like what actually happened, it's like different. Um, yeah. Like the stuff that you like talk about when you're cooling down with your teammates, like, oh, did you see this person? And like, wow, like that's, I don't know. That's the fun stuff. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I, as a reporter, I always find it challenging because I think you can say, how did the race play out for you? And like, yeah. there's a lot of athletes who will give you all of that, the stuff you right. want to have shared. And there are some that like, they don't know how to deal with that question. So then you're right. kind of like, oh, crap, because you want to have the athlete tell the story, or at least I do. Like, like yeah, yeah. How do, this is your event. How do you want yeah. me to portray it? But anyway, yeah. all right. The final question I guess I got to ask for you is like, what are your plans here for the future? Do you know right now, <clears throat> getting back to serious, I guess, uh, do you want to kind of stay in this grind through the next Olympics, another Olympics after that? I mean, I don't really know. And I'm wondering, given how you how well you competed this year and yet, obviously having things still on the table, like what do you see for yourself here um, closing out your career or extending it? What, what does it look like? Yeah. Um, I would definitely went into this year, not knowing the answer to that question or like what I was, if I was going to continue past this year. Um, and I'm like, well, I definitely am a bit of a planner, but like, I also, I really wanted it to just like, come to me i guess yeah. um and so i kept like you know all season being like probably overreading every feeling i had like oh is this a sign i should retire like oh is this a sign <laughs> i keep going like you know yeah. um and like after i finished basically i think the moment i like knew most was like after i finished that 30k at world championships and um i just didn't feel done um so i i have now formally decided to keep going um yeah. i have told my coaches that so i will be racing next year um but um to be honest i ha i haven't taken enough time to think about like the bigger picture in terms of like you know is it another olympic cycle or like is it a year by year thing or like is next year the last year like i i don't know that much um at okay. this point so um i'm hoping to take yeah like the rest of april and and like really think that through and figure out um, like Tyler has decided that he's, he's done racing. And so he's moving on. And so, yeah, there's also that aspect. And then, you know, the ultimate, the ultimate challenge of being a female athlete is like, yeah, you're the one that has to have a baby if you want that in your yeah. life. So, yeah. um, you know, figuring out what our future looks like together. And like, if I, you know, if, if, and when we want to have a family, um, 
and yeah, kind of confronting some of those challenges. So yeah, that's what I have in store for the next few weeks is figuring that out, but I will at least be on the start line uh, come November. So I got that much down. <laughs> oh, wow. That is so exciting. And, um, you know, uh, blessings for you and Tyler, as you kind of do weigh some of those things, obviously really, they're all really big decisions and it's crazy. Like, um, yeah, I, you're such a blessing to the U.S. ski community, I think. And I guess before I let you go, just any other thoughts or, or things I didn't ask or bring up that, that you want to share, um, either, yeah, to, to the, to the limited audience that have decided to, uh, just dirty their minds with the, uh, the podcast realm. Yeah. <laughs> Listen to it. Oh gosh. Yeah. God, I don't really think I have that much more other than, yeah. Yeah, I'm continually like humbled by like the fans that I do have. <laughs> honestly, um, it's like amazing in, in World Champs when I, or like honestly in the last two years when I seem to just have this countless number of bittersweet moments. Sure. Um, and um, I really have truly felt like, yeah, the support of, of the greater ski community and that, um, you know, always brings a smile to my face and definitely motivates me to like keep racing and stuff to, to know that it's like, yeah, may, sometimes making a difference in someone's life to like yeah. see the see the perseverance and stuff. So, thank you, Rosie, for coming on the show. It was so awesome to speak with you, and we're very thankful that you gave us all that time. Um, we appreciate it, and I know the U.S. ski community appreciates it as well. So, if you enjoyed this show, Check us out on cedarskier.com. Tell your friends to follow us, the Cedar Skier podcast on Anchor, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And um, as I always say, keep on striving, keep on skiing.